0: You are listening to Engaging and exciting conversation On the Radiant Culture Podcast Podcast Get ready
1: Now Welcome everyone You are listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast My name is T-Mac
2: And I'm Cookie Monster
1: And this is the best place to be Wherever you are right now listening to us This is the best place to be
2: This is where it's at
1: Um, Today we're joined by Cool Waza
0: Hello everybody It's
1: been a minute it's been a minute since I've seen both of you, actually. Yes. It's nice to see you in the flesh.
0: Yes, nice to see you
1: too. I know. This is where you say you're looking well. You're looking well. Thanks. You're looking good. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, thanks. Okay. So are you. Nice I leave yeah. some for me? <laughs> <laughs> are you are. You are. I'm joking. I have a question, guys. Before we started recording, we said a prayer. Why do we bow our heads when we pray? What's the reason for that?
0: Religion, I guess.
1: Well, we all just did it automatically. Yeah. It was your head producer? Was your head up? <laughs> you see, everyone just bowed their head and closed their eyes.
2: It's a sign of respect.
1: Respect, really? That's what my mom
2: told me. That. Respectful God. For food, we close our eyes and bow our heads, and so I've just always done it.
1: So it's just conditioning. There's no real reason for it. It wasn't like. So that people don't get distracted. But like remember
2: in sometimes. the Bible it says Jesus looked up to heaven.
0: Yeah. Right? So <laughs> we actually the opposite. So that people don't get distracted. I think that's it. Yeah.
2: But there's not a
0: single verse in the Bible that you find.
1: And even the praying hands thing. Where, where's that from? Yeah. Because you know how many people of this particular persuasion have a picture of those praying hands in their house.
2: Yes. Hands? Isn't that more based on Catholicism? Cath- Catholicism. Oh,
1: okay. I didn't want to call the peeps out loud. Now no, you're just putting them <laughs> Anyway, hey, Mimi.
2: Oh, no, but certain persuasion. <laughs> oh, oh, nah. No, but then, like, a lot of your traditional okay. churches, I mean, since I've already named them, like <laughs> Anglican, Catholics, yeah. Methodists, just generally tend to.
1: To do the whole brand. And
2: a lot of us came <clears throat> through eyes. that tradition. Okay. So I think that's where a lot of it came from.
1: Yeah, because actually, usually I don't. I just took note of it because I did it this time. But normally, I don't bow my head or close my eyes. And everyone around me is doing that. And I feel, well, now I don't feel weird anymore. But I just notice that I'm usually the only one with my pray? eyes open. Yes, I pray. Okay. <laughs> my eyes open. But so what
0: happens when you someone else has got eyes open, then you lock eyes open? No. I'm not like
1: looking around.
0: <laughs> the problem
2: with me, like I, I know if I keep my eyes open <laughs> yeah. and somebody else has got their eyes open, yeah. I might start laughing. No, I like, just laughing. One of those exactly. exactly I know. So exactly. I know myself. Like, ma- <laughs>
1: Nice. Anyway, no, I don't like It's like when a, you're playing a, mafia, mafia, I'm not right? standing yeah. No, I'm not killing people Anyway, moving along, I just wanted to know the answer to that And you neither have a proper answer Moving right, right along Sorry So yeah, Today's topic
2: So today's topic is quite a timely one And quite a controversial one, maybe To some degree Uh, Just a few days ago Creflo Dollar Those of you who know Creflo Dollar Who is a popular Pastor, preacher Based in the US Basically went on air And um, stated that he No longer believes In tithing Or Excuse me Basically that his stance On tithing Has changed And he's now more Um leaning towards the whole grace message and that tithing is an Old Testament practice and, 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 and. But the thing we want to focus on today is the fact that that particular statement that he made uh, caused quite a few shockwaves. And, you know, just in popular media, in the church at large, there have been lots of conversations happening. Some people are like, phew, Finally, yeah, some people yeah. are quite mad about it. I've been, I've been watching several conversations happening about this, right, around this, where some people are like, I need, I'm i a tither, I will yeah. not stop tithing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen it work for me. Yeah. Some people are like, ah, finally, somebody speaks the truth. You know, yeah, all of that. I hope yeah. other pastors wake up. So, of yeah. course, it's a very contentious, contentious issue. So that's the discussion we want to have today. But then secondly, we also want to talk about um, just the whole... Um, thing around church leaders changing their positions on certain things and certain doctrines and the knock on effect of that. So, yeah, so that's That's that.
1: There's something you mentioned, I can't remember which episode it was in, but it's with this fall under what did you have the term for it? Liberal something something.
0: Uh, liberal theology.
1: Is it? I don't know, it was cooking on stuff. But hey. it must be that.
2: Okay. I don't remember.
1: Like churches that are embracing more, not new age stuff, but like just. Or
2: like progressive Christianity. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that's why. Is this what that would fall under or
2: not? Not really, I don't think so. Because, yeah, no, because the progressives are like a whole other animal. Yeah. Yeah. Starts with deconstruction. Exactly. And then it goes haywire from there. Yeah. So, anyway, so this is the discussion, guys. Um, I know that tithing as a topic has always been an interesting one in church circles because you mm-hmm. yeah.
1: people don't like you talking about their money. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: I think I think for me what's funny, not funny, but what, what I find interesting is people who are like I tithe because it works for me. Yeah.
1: I was even gonna comment on that phrase. Like what do you mean?
2: <laughs> because I've seen this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. through you know if if you look at a lot of comment sections, because I've got a couple of people that I follow who've been I'm talking about this. I, I'll keep on tithing because it works for me. So, my question mm. is should that be the basis for us doing something? Mm. Mm. That it, it works for me? Yeah. Is that the reason so. why we do things? That regardless of what the theology is, regardless of what the Bible says about it, I do it and it works for me? Mm. Isn't that similar to wishing on a going, going to a wishing well and wishing for something and then well, just it's to, it's you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, yeah. where do we draw the line anyway? that's i
1: feel like it's like the tooth fairy like i put the thing under my pillow and the money's there the following day it's like it works for me i should still be doing it actually just that my teeth don't still fall out <laughs> but yeah i mean i think that's what they mean <laughs> that it, it's working for them in some way because yeah, this
2: one i remember like this one person it was an argument and somebody was trying to bring scriptural understanding right and they're like i hear what you're saying but for me it works for me hmm regardless of i'm just like no but shouldn't you be looking at what scripture actually says right not that i'm saying i don't believe in tithing or whatever i'm, I'm just saying that i think our starting point is concerning anyway so was what did you think of <laughs> this yeah. whole thing
0: sure. i think yeah I, I mean listening to to krefl and not having listened to him in a long time um I do know the context. A few years back, he found the gospel of grace. So he's been changing a lot of things, Uh, even changed uh, this whole thing. He doesn't wear suits anymore. I mean, all the time. You you, uh, show up in jeans and stuff like that. You know, usually grace preachers, they like to show up wearing casual clothes and stuff. So he never used to do that. So you're teaching me so new journey.
1: terms. What is this grace <clears throat> place thing? Yeah, I think we're The way doing. you're using yeah, the yeah. oh, sorry, grace. grace. Okay,
0: grace so the, the grace revolution. So there's a grace, there's a grace movement. I think, uh, headlined by guys like Joseph Prince um, on our side, guys like Terry Virgo, uh, whom for much of the early maybe 90s to early, yeah, 90s
1: on Joseph Prince. Yeah, like a few weeks back, I had a hairdo which I really did not like. Then I got a cut, and then somebody told me I look like Joseph Prince. Wow! Needless <laughs> to say, yeah. I've since changed my hair. But anyway,
2: continue. Show me the pictures. Yeah.
1: I'll show you. Please
2: do. I have to see. You. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Joseph. Uh, so he's he's big on grace, eh? He he that, that, that's all he basically you know, mm-hmm. preaches. So. I think he, he fell in love with the gospel of grace. And then since then, it's just been a, a years of just changing stuff. And I used to preach this. I'm preaching this now. So this falls into that. Um, some of the statements he made are, are very radical. It's like just throw away all the tapes and stuff.
2: Uh, that was quite uh, radical. Yeah. Who, Joseph? No. <clears throat> no oh, okay. But the question is, yeah. isn't the whole gospel right. grace, though? It is.
0: It's just the application of grace. So... A lot of the time, I think his premise was that uh, the tithe is Old Testament, firstly. You don't see it in the New Testament. Right. And secondly, it's been used to uh, put fear and guilt on people, which is a very fair assessment because Mm -hmm. a lot of people tithe because they're afraid or they will feel guilty for not doing so, robbing God and all that sort of thing. I think a good yardstick, he didn't say this, but a good yardstick to check whether people are motivated by fear and guilt is to say, if God just blessed you anyway would you still give the tithe you know and a very good number of people would not (laughs) it's working for me (laughs) you know it's like that phrase again i think we need to to take it in in its full context what does it works for me mean Mm. sometimes i think the practicality of the tithe coming now i think maybe i'm going ahead of uh where we're supposed to be but uh, the tithe oh, right, is very right, practical right, yeah. you know uh, it's a re- it's a it's a regular amount that you know that you have to give one of the challenges with the grace and generous giving and whatever most of the people that tout that are not the most generous givers and they use that as an excuse not to give right generously you see so you know and even if you're not using it as an excuse but if you don't have the tithe how do you decide what to give and how do you decide how often to give you know and I think that's one thing i've I think I've just seen in because I've grew up on this this grace message and around people who push grace, and you look at the at the offering baskets, it's a bit tricky, you know it yeah. uh yeah, you're like where's how come grace is not moving you to give more than the ten percent you know it's mm-hmm. like it's like this shield I don't have to give, I don't have to give so yeah, I think. I mean, coming back to Crayflow, I think he did make some very sound points, but at the same time, I think he could have simplified some things, um, and that's why this topic is so complicated. Because you know, on one hand, <clears throat> giving is a is a responsibility, but it's also a privilege. You know, you don't yeah. you have to give, but you don't have to yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So that's why it gets so complicated.
2: You've touched on something there that I think is really crucial, <laughs> which is that people who emphasize a lot on grace and all of that generally tend to, to give less. Mm-hmm. and But then there's the other side, which is, <clears throat> are we saying that tithing under the New Testament is no longer really tithing, but just a more structured way of giving in the mm-hmm. sense that Um, Like a baseline. Exactly, like a baseline to say 10% of my income is already allocated to the church. That way it helps me with my planning, with my discipline, with my budgeting, all of that. But then does that also then forfeit the promises or the curses that come with tithing or with not tithing? So for example, Malachi 3, which is... The typical anchor verse that's used for or anchor scripture that's used for for tithing that you're robbing me and that the devourer is going to come and whatever 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 all of that i'm saying is that still applicable also given the fact that if we're to really take scripture on its strict terms that scripture is not even really written to us right it's to priests it's it's written to a particular group of people mm. in a particular context yeah. right is that the are we then supposed to derive the literal lesson from that or is there something something else that god is teaching us so i'm just i'm just wondering that mm. what what is tithing in the new testament what what does it entail what is it
0: okay so Huh, that's a very interesting question because, see, one of the challenges I guess with those people that uh, that you know speak about generous giving and so on, and not tithing. Tithing is Old Testament, and they use Second Corinthians in chapter nine a lot. First uh, Corinthians sixteen, set aside something you know during the week. To carefully use those verses again, but those were actually very specific. Uh, Contexts where they were, they were raising money to go give to the poor. It wasn't regular giving, you know, like your regular church giving. Mm-hmm. So those scriptures apply to giving that's not your everyday thing. In fact, if you look at the New Testament, there's nothing there to talk about the giving that should go to. It's just assumed to be there. Right, right. So, first Corinthians 9 will say that uh, the so there's the, the, some carryover stuff. If you look at first Corinthians 9, just to answer your question, to say is it old or new testament, Paul says, uh, just as the priests used to serve at the altar, you know, would eat from what was on the altar, so the Lord has commanded that those who minister the gospel should eat from the gospel. I think that I'm just paraphrasing that, right? Yeah. So, uh, what are they to eat, <laughs> you know, in, in quotes. If we don't, if tithing is gone and you just give when and how you feel like. Uh, And and this is where you you, you come to that issue where I think the issue of the practicality of giving. A lot of, I think those that push the generosity side and the New Testament, you know, you are free, you are under grace. There's not so much emphasis on on the consideration of say, okay, so I'm giving because our church needs to, you know, broadcast the message and the Wi-Fi, whatever cost, is going to be borne by the church. Mm-hmm. We've got leaders who are serving, you know, in the ministry. They need to be paid. You know, there are all these expenses that need to be met. Yeah. And so if you go with the grace and it's all generous, you don't have to give. If no one gives, then, you know, uh, you, you have a church going through problems. I remember, uh, well, uh, producer uh, at large, <laughs> Uh-huh. once asked, uh, asked me a question uh, because of the, I was going to the church and we struggled for finances. Yeah. And producer large happened just to know a few things and he was, he was shocked to say, but how come you guys are struggling? And, you know, I know for sure that you've got guys in, in your midst who if they really wanted to, you know, you guys would be okay. It's just you can't go and say, well, you know, you have been blessed, so you've got, you know, because it's grace, you know. So they have to be motivated. And they have to hear from God for themselves. Yeah. And so the church will be struggling, and you have people there who are able to just by if they're to give their ten percent, you're sorted. You know, you got no yeah. problems. Okay. Um, so there's that practical aspect that I don't hear elevated a lot by those that push the grace thing. Um, and those that push the tide. You see, I think th- th- one of the challenges is that the people that are preaching about the tide are those that are supposed to benefit from it. So the conflict <laughs> of interest yeah. never goes away. It's always mm-hmm. there. You know. So if I know that my kids' school fees are, are based on you guys' giving, I'm going to go for every single verse to scare you into giving. Mm. The yeah. churches that have like a logbook Yo. yes. and you have to bring your payslip. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. and every month you have to Show up and wow. pay your tithe, and there'll be a register, and there'll be a naming and shaming of those that did not do it. Yeah, yeah they, but they are, you know, are churches yeah, the churches like that. But if you look at the fact that about six percent, I think I heard that somewhere, uh, that people who give in the church is about six percent, and this is um, American church stats, mm-hmm. but I think it's about the same worldwide. About six to ten percent of Christians give in church regularly, six percent. So that's
1: not including improving no this
0: is this is just giving in total Christians that give six percent of Christians are giving regularly.
2: yeah, so it's a real thing so, yeah <laughs> and I think you've actually raised something that's really important there, which is the practicality yeah. aspect. The challenge that i I have observed or that I, that I've noticed is really to do with I think people also just feeling manipulated mm-hmm. and feeling like certain things have been shoved down their throats. So almost as if, you know, it's, it's being foisted on you that you have to tithe. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment, so some of the ways that that message has been communicated has caused some fracturing and some damaging um, to, I, I think just to people's willingness to receive the message itself right Mm -hmm. so you find that i've been in services i've visited all sorts of churches but i've been in services where somebody will blatantly get up there and say if you don't do this you're cursed Mm -hmm. your things Mm -hmm. are never going to work out right you're some of the the reason why there's sickness in your house and all of this is because you're not tithing yeah and what that does that it does trigger fear yeah you know and um then you start wondering how many people are actually doing that out of that motivation. Um, And yet, maybe some of the things they're actually saying are noble, right? Mm -hmm. Because people do have, you know, you need people to commit, because Christianity... The walk of faith does require us to commit to something. It's not just like, grace doesn't mean that you can just do whatever you want. Exactly. Whenever you feel like it. There's a, like you rightly mentioned, there's a baseline commitment that is required. But I'm just saying, so I think it's those two extremes where the pendulum has been swung to both degrees, where it's like, one, grace, and just over grace. And then the other extreme is where it really becomes this legalistic stance and and it's driven by fear is there a middle point
0: yeah i think so i think so i i find that the new testament when it's because in my view giving should be treated as a spiritual discipline a lot like reading the word so you know the bible says pray continuously or pray always Mm. but it doesn't tell you pray how many hours a day you know yeah yeah um how often do you read your bible you know so giving should be treated the same way And if you don't read your Bible, God still loves you, right? If you don't pray, God still loves you. But there's benefits to praying and reading your word that you don't get if you don't. Yeah. So it is with giving. God still loves you. God cares about you. But there's stuff that God is tied to giving, right? And those promises that you see throughout Old Testament and New Testament, God always promises. If every instruction to give is followed by a promise by God to give even more. Yeah. Old Testament, New Testament, always. So you miss out on that. Um, and I think that's the middle ground to say, okay, I can give as much as I possibly can. I want to express my love for God and love for the church. Um, and I'm gonna give in that way and not feel the pressure. If I can't make it, if I can't give, so that, that, that for me is the key. What if you don't and when you can't, how do you feel? Yeah. Right. Is it that crushing sense of condemnation? Is it guilt? Then your motivation or your base is from the law, because only the law brings condemnation, <clears throat> sometimes you can feel a degree of conviction, right you can feel like I haven't given in a while, and you know God just prodding you, and God does that mm-hmm. you know like uh yeah, when's the last time you gave because that's another thing once you hold on to and this is my my concern with those that I'm pushing for the grace grace, grace is that Okay because what grace did to the apostles and the disciples in acts <laughs> you know someone died because they brought less than the full amount you know it was does it it money that that the guy died mm. for or over and his wife you know and they yeah. got buried because yeah. they didn't give they sold the house and only brought part of what they <laughs> so that's that's how ridiculously Generous people were at that time. People who sell their property, land, and put the money at the feet of the apostles. So if you say that's where you want to go, okay, then let's see it. <laughs> you know, but what you see is actually the opposite. Yeah. You see guys go months, weeks, and people don't even care. You know, like yeah. no one's really thinking about about what's going on. Uh, and I, was, I think as I was, you know, reflecting in preparation for this message, I just thought about Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah, when he left, right, so he came back, uh, I think built the walls in about 52 days or so, then went back to his station as a steward for the king. Then he came back, a cupbearer for the king. Uh, And then he came back, and there were all sorts of things that were going on. And one of the things that was happening was uh, when he got to the temple, the priests were gone. And he said, where are the priests? (laughs) They're not at their station. And it was like, oh, the priests have gone to their fields to work. Because there's no tithe, people are not tithing. And yeah Nehemiah said that is nonsense. From now on, people must give their tithes regularly and rounded up everybody and mm-hmm. scolded them. You know, and, and that's the reality where you find that the people that would rather serve the Lord, you know, uh they can't do so because the tithes are not coming in. So they have to go to the field, to the marketplace. Right. So you're encountering priests and quotes or pastors or whoever in the marketplace because they have to make up for what the church is not able to give or refusing to give, whatever the reason may be. So I I have, I have personally believe that a pastor should not be living... This is just my own belief, you don't find it in the Bible. But I just think it, it makes sense that the pastor should not be living a lifestyle. That means a full-time pastor should not be living a lifestyle that is below the average lifestyle of the mm-hmm. members mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. his yeah. congregation. Yeah. yeah, Just at that mm-hmm. level or above because if, if 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 that's if if the average of the church can afford to a certain level then he should be there okay at the very least you know yes. because the bible does Makes say things sense. like um the those that uh, lead the, or govern well uh, they are worthy of double honor yeah. and it's talking about money there because then it, takes, it talks about not muzzling the ox while it's trading grain and uh, the workers worth his wages so yeah. that's the context and those
2: are those are the scriptures that people don't like right yeah they don't the moment, no no the moment no. You start no talking about money no, people oh just gosh. get into into are a bit of a new yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah that's new testament that's first timothy 5 verse 17
2: yeah yeah i think this is important because our money really is a a part of our lives and my pastor often says your money is What's the statement? I'm forgetting the phrase. Um, But that money is your life, something along those lines. But one of my favorite apologists used to say that money is congealed life, Mm -hmm. right? That basically your money encapsulates your life in, in, a, in a sense because you're giving your time or your life for your money and so when you give of your money you're giving you're really giving away in essence a portion of your life which i think is is, is really important and if we're saying that our worship is giving to god that which is worth something to us then we really should be giving god our money yeah, or, yeah. you know so this is really challenging also and i think it's important for those of us who are listening to check our hearts where this is concerned because you walk into a church building, there are lights there, maybe there's a praise and worship team, um, things are working well. Who do you think is paying for that? How do you think um, the church is managing to do all those things? And part of being a body of believers is that we, we're all supposed to contribute um, to, to what's going on. And so if you're not contributing anything because you're now under, <laughs> under grace, mm-hmm. right, um, are you really being a part of the body in that sense? Are like you being a part of the community or are you just taking away and consuming what other people are giving into? I think it's an important thing for us to, to consider.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm curious. Um, you've got kids. Yeah. Do you, how do you, what do you teach them regarding giving to the church? Like obviously okay. I'm assuming they're old enough to receive yeah. some sort of allowance of yeah. some description. Yeah. Yeah. Do you tell them, okay, you need to put aside Something
0: to give, yeah. or so it it was really like not from the allowance and make up your mind, but more like you know, like what, what used to happen to me it was that like you all get something to put in the you know, in the coffers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that was the only money I would see the whole
1: week.
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was no allowance, you know allowance for that, yeah. So I we had started that, I think uh, what happened. Church-wise, we stopped sending the basket around because of COVID. Oh yeah, and we're still having signs sending the basket around. So I think that kind of fell off um with the because when the basket, it was very easy to say hey, toss it in. Yeah, but then it's like the system that we use now. Uh, these guys will be all over the place after. So come back, you know, come after church, come and put your money in there. So that's been. I think that's
2: been. So the money is not given during the service
0: not you know, during the baskets at the this station baskets will be stationed in, and, you and you go and uh, put place your offering in, in in the basket at the end yeah but uh, it was just basically there you go go and put something in and i think that the stage where the mechanics of it so you want them to get used to the mechanics they want get, get the idea that we give that's what yeah. we do um i don't think we have got to the place where we, you know I, they can start spouting all the <laughs> ties verses whatever <laughs> uh because my oldest is a is Ten in October, mm-hmm. and then the one that follows is six in August. So they're not very, they're not too old yes. yet. So just getting that idea, give, give, give. give. Yeah. yeah, we give. That's what we do. Yeah, uh, it's something that we just want to drum into their heads, but definitely important to get it in their in their minds. I think Sunday school should have offering baskets mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, actually, that's mm-hmm. an idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the yeah. yeah, exactly. You see,
0: yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing. So you, you know, you want to balance that out. Make sure no one feels left behind. Uh, but it's a reality, you know. That's if you can't bring something, they the told grace mm. doesn't mean you're a a child. Yeah. But also it's good that they'll go and bug their parents and say, I need to have something to give." them. Uh, that the might
2: hospital.
1: be the only giving their the parents. <laughs> <Yeah. house>. <laughs> <You> <laughs> the see. money that they have to give the, the kids for the offering
2: Um Kowaza or mm. TMAC or whoever wants to take it. So I'm just wondering that, do you believe it is right for a mm. church to enforce tithing? To to have it as part of almost like part of the church's um, regulation, mm-hmm. to say, for example, if you're going to be a leader in this church, or if you're going to serve in this church, one of the requirements is that yeah, you've got to be the husband of one wife, you've got to do this, whatever, whatever, and you've got to be a tither. Mm. That's what that, that's part of the requirement. I, I'm just based on the biblical precedent. Mm-hmm. Is that uh correct stance for church to take.
0: Yeah, uh, you want to take it, T Mac? Okay. So I would say, uh, and Crayflow in his message mm. it was actually like he used that as an example in uh you know like a can I say can I say mocking way? Like he was just making fun of people in the churches where they say you can't serve if you don't tithe and stuff like that, and basically implying that that's not grace. But you know like I I personally believe from I'm persuaded from the scriptures that a leader should be a tither or a giver, whichever phrase you want to use. And the reason for that is, you know, because, you know, Jesus said, um, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul? So the whole world compared to your soul, there's no way you can compare. And then a leader, especially like eldership or pastors, whatever, they have oversight of people's souls, Right. So, if you have not been faithful with the little, or faithful with earthly mammon, Jesus mm. is, I, I actually asks, "Who is going to give you spiritual riches?" Right. Because if you cannot be faithful with with unrighteous mammon, how are you going to be faithful with people's souls? Mm. You know. Mm. So, I, I would, if I was uh, an apostle person who's in charge of looking at how leaders, I want to know how you manage your money. Because how you manage your money is going to give me an idea of how you're going to manage the souls and how much care you're going to take. So, um, you know, I, and I find it sad that, you know, we, we, we fight about, you know, tides and all that kind of thing. Most of the time when people, I, I believe when people are fighting about it, most of the time it's not really because people are fighting for orthodoxy. Like we want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but it's because people have taken a stance I can't afford or i don't want to give or i got hurt because i was another church and i gave ten dollars when they said those who want to get married or whatever come with a seed and i went to it and then you know you didn't work for and me you chick, yeah. exactly you, you know? know honey right you see so and then guys have all these issues uh, and then they use that as an excuse to not give um and i think it's tragic personally, and it's just a sign of our hearts to say that we haven't actually been freed, you know, by grace to be able to give, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that those, I mean, most people then say, oh, grace, we shouldn't have to give. Have you really received the grace of God to enable you to give uh, to that extent? So, I think maybe I just digressed a little bit from the from the question, but I do believe leaders have to show faithfulness, and they should lead in the area of giving. Um, whether it's tithing, whatever they call it. Okay, Must be okay. generous. Leads
2: to my next... I guess to part two of the conversation, which is that um, this sort of thing you know obviously when a church leader takes on a position like this, it does have massive ripple effects mm-hmm. you know and i've I have seen this where church leaders change their positions on certain things, they change their theological um, stance on a on a particular subject so the, the question for me is is it Right. Okay, how do I even ask this properly? Is it right for a church leader to hold that much power Mm. over over people's lives? Mm. And and I'm asking this with as much um, graciousness as I can. What I mean by that is that, so let's say a pastor is preaching something that's offside for 20 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Then one day they have a revelation that... What they're preaching is wrong. Then they change their position But there are thousands of people maybe who followed this who've based their whole Christian life on this particular doctrine and everything Maybe someone no longer even part of that church then this guy changes his position now. He's under grace or whatever (sighs) How how do we make my question is how do we ensure that people in fact here's what I Is it scriptural? for people to place that much authority on a on an individual who's fallible who can change their mind when things happen you know what i'm saying yeah is is that is that scriptural
0: Um, i think uh, colloquially you say it uh, i think you could say it's the nature of the beast really you can't you can't run away from that that's why uh paul said to timothy uh watch your life and your doctrine closely because in so doing, you will save yourself and your hearers. Sure. You see, so I'm not very sure the, the actual uh, places, but you could just check First Timothy 4, verse 15, right about there. That's where he gives that instruction, say, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Uh, because in so doing. You know, and the price paid for false doctrine. You know, those guys who are referred to by Paul speaking to to Timothy again, this is in Second Timothy, where he says these two guys were preaching that the resurrection has already taken place.
2: Jumperes.
0: No, those are the other guys. This is uh, Philetus and somebody else. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Two guys who are that's preaching. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. name drop. Right? Ah, yeah. name drop. Name <laughs> drop. You see. Yeah, beware of these two guys. Ah, that name is... I mean, I'm not even going to hide this one and this one. You know, so... I mean, if you're preaching that the resurrection has, has already... <laughs> already <laughs> taken place. <laughs> you know, you're destroying... But Because, you know, you're going to think, so what's the point? Why am I continuing in faith? Oh, so the resurrection is... The rapture has happened. And right. so we've been left behind. So hedonism and... Let yeah. us eat and drink for tomorrow we die, you know, because there's no there's no point to it. Yeah. So you're destroying the faith of some. I mean, he says that he, they are actually destroying the faith of some. Hmm. Uh, but then he then goes on to say, but the Lord knows those who are his, his. and they're oh, sealed with right, the inscription. Right. Yeah, you know, that inscription and turn away from the wickedness and so on. So the Lord knows who are his, and that's what is our comfort. Because there will be people who will be swayed by men and will get lost and whatever. Yeah. But Lord's the Lord's foundation stands firm throughout. Uh, so that's one thing. This other thing is we need to realize this precedent in the Bible for people changing their theological position. Peter uh, was told, rise, kill and eat three times. Uh, and he said, you know, I've never eaten anything unclean. And then he you know, was sent to Cornelius' house and he saw the Spirit of God falling upon people. And he had to change. Uh, you know, He went back and told everyone, guys, this is what I saw. There's no way that we could have kept them from being baptized because we saw the Spirit of God fall on them. Um, and so th- there is precedent in the Bible for that, for people having an about turn and saying, for a guy of Peter's stature, you know, this is a guy who walked with Jesus and all that. So mm-hmm. he also had an about turn. And, you know, it's all about whether the people are following you because they believe God has placed something in you for them. Uh, I always think back to the disciples who stayed when Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh or drink my blood, you have nothing of me and you, you know people that what? He's gonna give us his flesh to eat. He wants to make us cannibals. He
2: mm-hmm.
0: says many disciples left him that day.
2: Yeah,
0: but these guys stuck by him and said, "Are you guys also going to leave me?" And they said, "No, we know that you have, have the words. Of truth. Yeah, the word of truth. So, you you need to believe that there are people that follow you be, not just because you know church and you're always right. No, but because there's something that God has placed in you for me. And right. even though sometimes you can get it wrong and stuff, but you're still my pastor or whatever. And yeah. there will always be people like that. God will grant you. Otherwise, you're just in just taking a walk. You know, no one's following you really. You know, <laughs> yeah. if the people are just following you for the razzmatazz and the dazzle, someone will be there who will believe. Yes, you've messed up, but I believe that you're a good person and you were genuine in what you were doing.
2: Yeah.
0: And you have to ask for forgiveness from God if you are that leader who has led people astray. You know. Yeah. I think it's better to do the about turn than to continue in stubbornness and saying, no, I cannot, man of my stature. Yeah, you know, um, the pride, I think that's even worse.
2: And for the believer, because I think this is the other thing that I was actually having a conversation with some friends this afternoon um, concerning this, this particular topic. And then it sort of took a yeah, bit of a digression where we're just talking about believers and how we can guard against certain things. Because I think part of the problem is that as believers, and we, we have spoken about this on this podcast um, in the past, that often as believers, we don't take the time to study the scripture for ourselves. Absolutely. We don't know what we believe and why we believe it. Yeah. We just kind of follow blindly almost, you know. And so maybe if, we, if you can just speak into that as well to say, yeah. um, what are some of the things that, what are some of the responsibilities <laughs> that the believer has yes the pastor and the leader has to keep their doctrine and their life carefully watch it closely all of that because they're leading a body but then similarly as believers we too have a responsibility to learn the truth and know when we are being led astray or whatever yeah so
0: that's true that's true um I think the responsibility of, uh, it's not very easy, because if you're a member of the church and you start seeing that there's some stuff that your pastor is teaching that's not quite correct, mm-hmm. does that mean that you leave, you know? What does that mean? So it's important to have an understanding of the word uh, and to be in a church where that is promoted, that is encouraged, yeah. that is welcomed, as opposed to be. The, you are going against a man of God, mm-hmm. you know. If you start asking questions, you don't understand something, or you don't agree with something, mm-hmm. that is, yeah, a sign usually that you're in a very, yeah, strange place, <laughs> and you, you need to consider your options. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Good advice. Um, I actually wanted to know: Is it when you're okay? Say that. Creature, okay. In the case of Kreplov, does he answer to anyone? Like, is there an organization, like do, do all churches belong that's to a, a higher a organization, question, Not which way, they when they want to change their doctrine, they also have to explain, "Cause you know, this is our reasoning, this is our interpretation of scripture, and therefore, and then they decide." Like an, an to stay. accountability structure, basically. Yeah, like we a, would hope so. Because in Zim, there's EFZ, right? Yeah, which stands for Evangelical, Evangelical Fellowship of Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. So, like. Are there, like, not rules per se, but, like, standard things that if you want to belong to EFZ, you have to conform to these?
0: need for it is something that the pastor or the leader in question has to have, you know, for themselves. There's Mm -hmm. guys who all their lives just wanted to have a place where they can call the shots. (laughs) See, because the thing with people that lead churches and stuff you know the bible says that how many of you were of noble birth and stuff like that a lot of them have suffered rejection and you know when it was time to choose the soccer team they're the last person to be chosen <laughs> but now but church. my church oh, my and people God. call me papa people kneel when i mm. come here you know and so that people you know a lot of broken people are leading uh, and that brokenness is being massaged mm-hmm. so you have people who enjoy being the last word you yeah. Know, yeah what Papa says is correct, mm. and if you go against Papa, so there are people like that, then there's people who 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 value that accountability, yes. who understand that they're vulnerable, who want to have someone who they can you know uh defer to. so really it, it boils down to the character of the individual, mm. but there's a lot of churches where yes they they do say that they are submitted some have been kicked out of these families of churches because yeah. they start preaching stuff that's not consistent with what is believed in that family of churches yeah, yeah. bye yeah
1: which is what i was thinking
0: and you, you lose fellowship things. you yeah. lose friends you lose sometimes support financially because you know part of a bigger thing they get money centrally and start giving it out and oh, stuff yeah. so you can lose a lot by deviating yeah. i think yeah. Cranfield himself uh alluded to and how he was going to lose friends as they had done before, uh, so he has lost friends when he has,
1: yeah, I'm sure he would have,
0: yeah, <laughs> changed tack and said, Yeah, I'm never going to come and preach in my church again because you're preaching nonsense,
2: no no honorarium,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay,
1: no, no more TBM for you jokes. I don't know about that, <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know <laughs> what their rules are, <laughs> but no, uh, I think so. When you're joining a church, would you say that that's something you should? Ask about, could you So do you guys answer to anyone, or are you guys just lone rangers out here just doing your own thing?
0: So, so important. Yeah, I think that's a very that, that's one of the most underrated questions that mm. uh, a new believer can ask because mm. a lot of people just join because they like the decor, someone was nice to them When they joined, or they just like the demographic. Oh, it's nice, young, hip church. I think we could be comfortable here. No, and then ask those very important questions. So, who are you guys answerable to? Mm. You know, if I if we had a dispute with you guys, who is going to pick that up? Mm-hmm. If one of you guys abused someone, who who could we talk to? Yeah. You need to know that.
1: Um, They'll leave the meeting. I hope he doesn't join chat. Yeah, too intense, bruh. But then again, like
0: <laughs> membership. So I mean, I don't know how different churches will do membership differently, but I would imagine every church has a process of. Uh, welcoming visitors you know people turning from visitors yeah to yeah, actual yeah. members mm. and then you would be taken through some course or something yeah And uh, we have a membership course i don't know if we actually didn't talk about that but that should be spoken about definitely mm-hmm. in that setting say mm-hmm. okay this is what if that's not you know uh volunteered mm. then in that setting you should be asking yeah. say who are you accountable to and and so on you can even ask you can even get as i think you also want to check transparency. Have you had issues where people have felt abused? and How have you dealt with rebellion or people who have left or people who have been hurt? How have you dealt with all that? Those are questions that you shouldn't be able to ask. And if you can't, well, maybe that's not a very good place for you to be. Yeah, I like that.
2: That's good. That's good. Thanks, Kuwaza. I think this has been a very good discussion, very informative, very eye-opening. And I think a very necessary one. <clears throat> And of course, our listeners, uh, the reason why we like having these sort of conversations is that we want to get each other thinking, we want to get each other um, discussing the important subjects and to get the wheels turning. So um, just really hoping that you know something that was said today um, sowed a seed in your mind or put a stone in, in your shoe or something, but that you, know, that, that you really start thinking about these things actively, whether you're in the camp of, you know, I'm all about grace, no tithing, but at the same time, you're not really giving anything. You need to check your yeah. heart there because maybe you're really not operating in grace. Yeah. Um, so, so check your heart. And then similarly, I think, you know, if we've become so legalistic in the way that we're doing things, we also need to check that, is it still about the relationship with God or it's now just a thing we're doing driven by maybe fear or mm-hmm. um, something else that is, not, that is not God. And I think it's important for us to always um, check those things um, and then everything else that's been said today. So I think those would be my parting shots today.
1: True. Whether you're a tither or not a tither, we hope that Radiant Culture works for you. <laughs> 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 Peace. We'll see you guys next week. We'll Later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiant at the hub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless.
2: It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real
0: Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.